everyone. Welcome along to the February edition of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. Uh, I'm Kev, host as always. And with me, I've got the usual three members of the gang. Uh, the Lutonian journalist, James Cunliffe, Trust Chairman, Tony Murray, and Town fan, Dan Barrett-Davis. Gents, you're all much better than what I am, because neither of you went through that absolute pathetic palaver last night at Grimsby. Uh, so I'm expecting lots of happiness from you three, because you're not going to get much of it from me. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was bad enough listening to it, Kev. How the hell you must feel after going all the way up there and Oof. getting back at, you know, near crack of dawn, I thought. Yeah, we got a diversion off the A1. Us, We was on it for so long, I swear Holland was closing in on us at one point. But uh, <laughs> there it is. has to be done. Uh, if there is a positive, at least we haven't got to do it again at the end of the month. But apart from that, not much. We will discuss that uh, exit from the FA Cup. Uh, but before we do that, we'll go through the transfer window that concluded since we've last been on the podcast. Once we've discussed the fallout from the FA Cup, we'll look at the recent league form, which is very much something to be positive about. And we'll discuss two of the key players from that uh, league run in this first part of the podcast. And then in the second part of the podcast, we will uh, look back at that 1982-83 season. We're closing in on the end of the squad uh, for that um, so we'll get Tony's thoughts on the two strikers for that we'll discuss the academy who uh, also had their own uh, faux pas in the FA Cup this week we will look at expectations for the rest of the season and we'll look at the upcoming matches up to uh, the Swansea home game at start of March um, that's all going to be in part two but in part one as I say we'll start with a look at the transfer window and James I'll start with you uh, it's caused a lot of sort of well mixed consensus. All of this, hasn't it? You know, social media has been uh, booming. Uh, the club have had their own response in um, their matchday program on Saturday. Before we get to all of that, though, uh, James Bree left, went to Southampton. Harry Cornick left, went to Bristol City. Uh, Cameron Jerome left, he went to Bolton. They had a kind of three major exits. Harry Iskid also went to Barnsley. Uh, coming back the other way, we had Jack Walton, uh, the goalkeeper. We've got Cody Drame uh, in from Leeds on loan. We've got Marvellous Nakamba on loan from Aston Villa. And we've got Joe Taylor, permanent signing from Peterborough. Uh, there was lots of talk about centre-half uh, on deadline day that didn't materialise, but we have recalled uh, Admiral Musquid from his loan spell. So, simple question first of all, James. Are the towns stronger at the end of this transfer window than they were going into it? Which, as we're always told, is the immediate aim of any transfer window. Well, it depends who you want to ask, really. If there's a lot of people getting the knickers in the twist over defenders, then um, I think that they'll say that the squad is not stronger. I wasn't one of those. I wasn't at all worried. I think the long-term plan has always been for Amari Bell to move into that left centre-back role. Um, and, and we may have seen it a lot sooner if Alfie, Alfie Dowie hadn't been injured for the first part of the season. Um, add to that, you've got Potts uh, when he's back and, and Sonny Bradley's back on the grass training now. So um, I didn't really... I mean, if you can get somebody, if there's somebody that fits, if there's somebody that ain't going to cost the earth and goes in there, then fine. But when you look at those three players, then... I wondered what people were getting so worried about. Were they? Were they? Did they want somebody just to come in and be back up and be a squad player? If if that's the case, is it really worth it? Is January the window to do it? I don't think so. 
if they were looking for somebody to come in and be the main man, left cent- left side of centre half's pretty hard to come by, and I'm not sure you're going to find one in January without um, splashing out the money that um, Manchester City think they have. And uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't fussed about that. Um, you know, James Bree, as soon as Southampton came calling, was always going to go. His contract was running down. And he's been um, a, he's been a fantastic servant since um, since Jones came back for the Great Escape. In fact, he really found it hard under Graham Jones, but really kicked on, became one of the best uh, right backs slash right wing backs in Championship. Man, he deserves his chance. You know, he's twenty five years old and he's probably at least doubled his money uh, going there and chance to play in the Premier League. I mean, the fact that he'll probably be back in the Championship next season is neither in nor there, but, you know, you can't begrudge him that. Um, and they've they've moved to replace him. So on that side of things, yes, they're, they're as strong. You know, we've only seen a couple of glimpses, a couple of games of Cody Drame, but he looks some player and he's going to offer something different than James Bree, whereas James Bree delivered crosses looked to get in from sometimes crossing them in from deep. You rarely saw James Breed trying to beat a man, which is what Cody Drummond has shown us already. And so if you can get to the byline and cut back, then uh, Elijah and Carl Morris are going to be gobbling that up for all, for all day long. So um, um, I suppose the, 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 the other one, I guess, would be the, the fact that Cornick left and they brought in Joe Taylor, who's probably not going to start. And probably I'll be surprised if he features at all this season. It's obviously one... Um, for the future but um, you know Harry Connick has been here for what six years and you know we've, we've loved some of the stuff he's done there's been great periods where he's been not effective there's a one, that one season he struggled didn't score um, and he found himself fourth choice striker and you can understand why because for all the things that people say he does, he presses well, he leads that line like that and he runs in behind, he does. His end product so often wasn't there. And when he's not confident, you're not getting a goal out of him. So, um, you know, with his contract running down as well and his chance to obviously play for the greatest manager in the league and uh, <laughs> have the chance uh-huh. to go up to the Premier League from their lofty position of 17th in the Championship, then... Um, you can't begrudge him uh, the chance to, you know, make a make a bit of wedge. But that's all it is. You know, everybody saw his um, interview. I would imagine when he went to Bristol City, and um, he found very creative ways to find to say, um, "I've come here for the money, lads," uh, which is, you know, f- fair enough. Um, you can't begrudge him for, for going there. But I don't think it, I don't think it weakens Luton. It does if you. If you're going to say, oh, everybody's going to get injured, then of course. But that's sort of, you know, you can't predict that sort of thing. But um, so, and, you know, from from my point of view, no, I think they are strong. They, they potentially could be stronger um, if we see the likes of Nakambe, who looked quite promising in his debut cameo at the weekend. And uh, if Cody Jamey continues to play uh, as he has done, the promise he has done. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, don't worry, everybody. The, the, the transfer window w- was decent. They've got probably a million quid basic cash for the, for the two players that have gone to Bristol City and Southampton. And then there's add-ons in there. 
So, yeah, it's decent. It's decent. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, everyone should remember the amount of work that we did in the summer of uh, this transfer window when seven or eight players came in. And it, and it was pretty pointed, it was pointed out when Rob Edwards took over that January was not going to be particularly busy month for signings. They've replaced everyone who went out and um, brought in the shield for the defence. So, um, fair enough. It's interesting on that Harry Cornick one, isn't it, James? Because he's gone from the best team in Europe last season six, <laughs> to the um, best manager in the Championship. I mean, uh, what, what a wonderful move, eh? <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's, it, it made me laugh because... They've stitched him up straight away by giving him a number nine shirt. So all the people that don't know who he is, he's not, he is not a number nine for starters. He, uh, he needs, and if he is, he needs service and they don't give it. Um, and he's coming to replace Semenya, who only scored nine goals or something anyway. Um, uh, so I don't know what they think they're getting. Um, but, uh, it, you know, he's, he's got to say the nice things to ingratiate himself to Bristol City's fans. But when you, and we saw it with Cal Naismith, when you're talking about um, the project or uh, the facilities that they've got, that are the Premier League, um, I'm afraid they don't translate into what's happening on the pitch and what has been happening on the pitch for Bristol City for a number of years now. So he's gone from a team that sits fourth uh, to a team that won't pass the halfway mark in the in the championship table as far as I can make out. Uh, so the the chances of him getting Premier League um have dwindled from from the move. But you know he's 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 cashed in and why not? You know if to be at Luton for six and a half years with the wage cap they've got, um you have to say you have to you know hold your hat. Uh, you have to extend these players their your best wishes and and they'll go off to teams that can somehow afford a lot more money, uh, but get a lot less results. Yeah, indeed. Um, Tony, obviously we should say first and foremost to all four players that left, uh, we thank them uh, hugely for their service, not least Harry Cornick in particular, because obviously part of two promotion campaigns, uh, part of the Great Escape, gave us God knows how many good memories uh, on the pitch, decent bloke off the pitch. James Bree, likewise, obviously also part of that uh, Great Escape campaign and indeed last season which was absolutely fantastic so we wish all four of them well um, but ultimately as James has alluded to prior well certainly prior to last night Cornick would have been the fourth choice striker uh, you're, you're always better when you don't play aren't you maybe it'll be first choice after the last night I don't know but um, Joe Taylor's an interesting one Tone um, brought in obviously as one for the future but didn't play in the development game last night was obviously cup tied for the FA Cup game so you kind of wonder where exactly he is. It seems like he's in between the two. Yeah, definitely, mate. Um, somebody that didn't occur to any of us that, that that he would be signing for us, but he, the lad's obviously got something about him. I mean, for Mick Harford to rate him highly, um, you know, he, he's got to have the potential there because, uh, you know, as far as forwards go, Mick knows what he's talking about there. So it, it, that's definitely going to be one to, to keep an eye on. And, of course, we've got Musque being brought back to the club and, and we've got two other forwards that are out on loan as well, haven't we? So uh, CMG being one of them. So uh, interesting. I, I, I don't think we'll see um, 
Mr. Taylor figuring in the first team straight away, but probably toward next season, um, because we've got McAtee come, coming in from Grimsby as well at the end of the season, haven't we? So there's going to be a lot of options there. Um, with with Harry, I was see, sorry to see Harry go. He, he's been a good servant for us. I mean, I think one of my best memories will be that goal against Reading where he made the Reading keeper look absolutely stupid. But I wish him all the best. Um, you know, I, I think the move has, has purely got to be for financial reasons, as, as James has already said. Um, I mean, I... I, I I definitely don't see him as he, he's he's upgrading in terms of the team that he's he's joining. Um, I think we're we're definitely stronger in the midfield department with uh, Nakamba coming on board, and it it was good to see the lads had already got a song for him uh, at, at the weekend, which was which was nice. And in, in his brief cameo, he showed that he, he he's got a bit about him and whatever. But I, I do like uh, Cody Drama. He looks a a good acquisition and uh, it's it, it certainly puts some urgency into that right hand side um you know which is good so i i i'll reserve my judgment on whether we've come out of the uh, transfer window stronger but i i, I certainly think we're, we're no weaker than we were before it so yeah, yeah i mean we'll see what happens yeah, I guess the interesting one then, Dan, is the goalkeeper situation. Jack Walton's obviously mm. coming from Barnsley. Of course, he's coming from Barnsley. Uh, you have to come in from Barnsley for coming into this football club or have played for Barnsley at some point in the uh, in the past. Too right. And he may well have come in at a good time because um, although we had him on the podcast last time out, Ethan Horvath is starting to leave a few cracks for someone to come in and potentially fill mm. his spot. So maybe Walton has come in... Uh, at the right time? Maybe so. Maybe so, yeah. And I think it very much depends on how Shea recuperates as well and whether he gets any game time between now and the end of the season because I still think there's a case for him. Um, Walton's obviously a, a newer model of Eisted, if you like, in terms of he's back up for now. Could step up. Could step up. There may even still be a future for Eisted. I can't see it at Luton now because I think... Um, Edwards has possibly made his mind up. I think he said as much when he said, you know, Harry needs to go out and play and sort of sort his career out sort of thing. Um, and he owes us nothing. He's, you know, he's sat on the bench for five, six years or whatnot. Um, pretty damage, pretty much damaged his career a lot in a, in a lot of ways because he's played, what, six games for Luton in that time. Um, and it's Sivan Horvath. I mean, he's probably out of a budget in terms of getting him in permanently. I think the, the temporary deal was a good short-term fix with people like Shea being out injured. I still not have any experience. Walton probably has come in at the right time. Um, I don't think we're going to see all of us past this season. But, um, as I say, I think, still think you've got people like Walton and Shea and even I still are more than capable. And you need three three really good goalkeepers to base your team, base your defence on in the goalkeeping department. So I think we're we're pretty well covered. And, uh, yeah, I think we've seen the last of Macy as well, just to chuck him in. Yeah, I'm not sure we're going to see Horvath until the end of this season. I'm really not. I think there's too many mistakes coming, uh, yeah. too much hesitancy, sorry, coming from uh, his boots that's going to cost us one of these days. And uh, hopefully 
something happens before it does. James, just before we move on from this one, uh, those programme notes on Saturday caused a lot of consternation on um, social media, but the club have the right to respond, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. I just, I think it was, the reaction to it is, this is why I don't, I really don't like the transfer window because it, it, it turns this people into a sort of bay-in mob that just the only way they can be satiated is sign-ins. Oh, you've got to get a sign-in. In. And it doesn't always have to be that way. And sometimes the budget doesn't work. Uh, sometimes the players ain't available. But they've, they've done good work in the transfer window and what they've done, I think. Um, and so it goes on social media and people complain about it. And, you know, f- fair enough, you're, you're allowed your opinion, but then... So, so are the uh, club. I think it, it. I don't think there's anything in there that's going to upset the apple, apple cart. It shows a bit of uh, transparency about what their policy was. Um, you know, I, I know everybody's talking about the armchair enthusiasts quote, but <laughs> listen, that's what some of the, these these people are. Some of these moaners are. That's what they are. So, um, uh, you know, don't. Don't get too worried about it. Everything's okay. I wish I was a bloody armchair enthusiast last night, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> would have saved me a lot of money and a lot of uh, temperature as well. Uh, but hey, there we go. Um, yeah, really, the transfer windows, I mean, it, it's died on its ass since Sky banned people from standing behind their reporters waving dildos in their faces and things like that on dildo on their deadline day, didn't it? Or Harry Redknapp having some waif or stray hanging out of his car window or whatever. It's... Um, it's all a nonsense now so much so that we actually arranged a football match on that night and uh, that just clouded it even <laughs> more didn't it but there we go um let's move on then tony uh fallout from the fa cup last night uh we've obviously got a group whatsapp chat for this podcast and uh, there were a few expletives during the rounds during the game quite rightly so um i don't think anyone's worried about the fact that we went out of the cup in terms of the fact that there's much bigger fish to fry this season, but there was a 300 grand windfall for winning last night, minimum with potentially a lot more to go beyond that. But also it's the attitude of the way we went out, isn't it? Yeah. It, it was almost like he grooms for you just go on and play Southampton. We can't be arsed really. That That's how it came across. Um, I mean, I'm glad we didn't do this podcast straight after the game last night. Otherwise, uh, my language would be bluer than blue. Um, it is annoying. I mean, it, it, the money side is, it, is yes, that is an issue and it's money the club could do with. But for me, what is more worrying is the fact that our second string isn't even up to League Two standards which is more worrying. It is the strength in depth that we seem to be lacking. You'd have thought some of those players, given an opportunity to go out and play, you'd have thought they'd have been thinking, great, this is my opportunity. I'm going to show what I can do so I can get in the first team uh, for a league game. But they just didn't do it. They, they just couldn't be bothered. And it was only when uh, we had the introduction of Pelly and Clark um, and Doughty, that, that it showed that we had any energy. You know, even even the regular first teamers that played in, in, in that 
first half of last night just didn't seem to be on the game. And uh, what annoys me is, you know, granted, I wasn't one of the people that went, you work it, but 500 supporters gave up their time to, to, to go up there on the coach, um, you know, paid their money for the coach trip, paid their money to attend the game, and you get a team performance like that, that they, a half-assed, they can't even be bothered. Now, you, you know, you, you pay your money, you take your chance, you, you can say, but you can accept it if the team go out and at least put the effort in. And I'm granted I only listened to it, but it, it, judging by the commentary, it was like they couldn't be bothered. You know, and, and having seen the goals, they were appalling goals to give away. They really were defensive, you know, who was covering? Who's coming out to clear? And I, I'm, I'm, you know, Ethan, Ethan Horvath has got to hold his hand up to two of the goals, the first one and that free kick. That should never have been allowed to reach the back post like that. You yeah. know, so I hope they've taken note of that. I mean, fair play to the fans that you know clapped them and cheered them. It wouldn't have been me. I would. I would never boo aside. I would never boo aside, but I definitely wouldn't have applauded them after that. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's it's a fair enough call. I mean, I I wasn't particularly enamoured. Uh, last I mean, you, night. you you said to me, Kev, didn't you, that it was worse than than the Watford game? In terms of the quality that we put in in that first half, yeah, uh, at least at, at least at Watford, when now that we know that they were ill. They were still. Yeah. They still put in the effort that they had. They didn't have the effort. You know, they didn't have much yeah. effort because of the illness that went through. But I didn't get that. That last night. I, last night, I saw a team that wanted it, and I saw a team that didn't want it. And yeah. we weren't the team that wanted it. You know, Grimsby mean, wanted it, and I and really, truly, they looked that, a championship Ken. side last night, Grimsby, and they made yeah. us look like a League Two side, and that's yeah. where it's unforgivable. I mean, I take my hat off to you for going because it, it, it was bad enough at the Watford game. You know standing there when the final whistle had gone and the players come over. I didn't applaud them. I, as I said, I wouldn't boo them. Looking at them, then looking at the other end of the ground with all the, the, the Watford fans there looking like a very, very bad Jackson Pollock, which I think I've said before. So, you know, last night, I, I don't think I I, I... I wouldn't have been able to keep my gob shut. I wouldn't have applauded, but I think they've got a few swear words at them last night, you know. Yeah. It's just, just not good enough. Just not good enough. It, no, no, it wasn't. And, and you know, I said right at the start, there's a bigger picture to all of this and we all appreciate the bigger picture and we all understand just what this club, sorry, this set of players have given us. I pointed it out yeah. after that Watford game, actually, yeah. that um, anyone who did boo that day really should remember where they took us last season. And that is still the case. But performances like that can't, you know, can't happen on a regular basis because... This is a Grimsby side, James, that their best player couldn't play in the tie because he's on loan from us, yet they still scored five goals against us. That's just unforgivable, the way that the way that we defend. And these for all the changes that he made, they were three senior centre-halves that played at Grimsby last night, and the defending was just atrocious. Yeah, for all the goalkeeping, and I think he was pathetic for the first one, and of what the hell he was doing for the third one, I have absolutely no idea. But the second one, comes from a long throw, three balls just fizz around uh, around our defenders and then they're straight in on the goalkeeper. I mean, 
this is basic stuff. You know, if you don't want to go to Southampton or you don't want to be in the cup or whatever else, tell everyone and we'll just, we won't bother going and crack on. Yeah, I mean, they were poor goals to give away, weren't they? Um, and, um, you know, yeah, full, full credit to Grimsby as well. I mean, they've taken it to Luton twice and they've just attacked them and got, uh, gone at them proper cup, cup football. So you can't take that out of the equation. But, um, you know, I think maybe if you look at it, maybe in the cold light of day, you've got um, what Louis Watson and Elliot Thorpe given a go and probably shows that they're not quite they're quite ready yet even though Watson's had a couple of interesting performances positive performances um you could look at it another way and say well then maybe the the players that weren't in how good have they been and what do they actually bring to the team you know I'm thinking Pelly and and Clark in the midfield in particular well that midfield three last night was very when when you saw the team lineup yeah Uh, Campbell Watson and Berry you're kind of like, who's creating from there sort of thing? Well, it would have been a carrot um, for, for Grimsby to, to go after him, really, uh, especially when you see two young players and um, and they just didn't stand up to it. You know, th- these sorts of things can happen um, and may, maybe they'll come good. Maybe they don't. I, I don't know. I can understand t- Tony's point about the, the second string. Um, and, and, you're, and you're right. I mean, Luton. If you if you can pick the best eleven every every time, they'll give anyone in the championship a good run for their money. It's just when you've got so many games, and you have to rotate. If you play, you know, if they'd got through that game, they'd have been playing three games a week until March, um, and it's a lot takes a lot takes a lot out of it the way Luton play, especially. Um, uh, so you know all these things come into to, to the equation. It, it is disappointing because there was a very good chance of potentially getting to the quarterfinals and the prestige of that, and the certainly the money that that comes into it. Um, you know, on the other side, I'm I'm kind of relieved that uh, we don't have to have the absolute circus of um, Luton facing Nathan Jones again. Um, it probably would have been quite unbearable after about the first five minutes once I kicked in. Well, I did um, mention that to you on Saturday, didn't I? When we had a little <laughs> debrief after the game. Yeah. Um, That's you know, there, I, of course. Well, exactly. It might not be there. And I jest, I jest in this, of course. But um, perhaps Newton were protecting their Brucey bonus a little bit there because there's every <laughs> chance they could have gone to uh, uh, St Mary's and, and done for Nathan Jones's uh, Southampton career. Um, so that, every that chance Grimsby happen. could, based on the way they played like, last night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, ne- I never thought of that, James. You've probably got a point there, you know. Yeah, you yeah, know. So, uh, so however much that you probably get for getting into the Premier uh, to the FA Cup next round, probably get a lot more money on the add-ons if uh, if Jones stays in that job and keeps him up somehow. I can't yeah. see it. I can't see either of those two options at the moment. But um, uh, yeah, they they really hate him, don't they? Really hate him. Um, yeah. Yeah, to to be fair, um, we deserve a lot more than what we're going to get if he keeps them up. I think it's such as a miracle that it's uh, it's turning into. But yeah, no, you're right, James. You are right in the cold light of day. It's it's absolutely right. What did you make of it, Dan? I mean, I guess I guess the biggest the biggest thing that we probably haven't yet to mention is this tie shouldn't have needed a replay. We went two one up at home, and then for all money in the world, I mean, we didn't even have time to switch on, did we? Because 
they equalise within 30 seconds of it. And then, then the goalkeeper becomes a world-class time waster, as they all do at Kenilworth Road. But mm. when Clark scores that goal in the first uh, first game, that should be the tie done and dusted for a championship side at home to a League 2 team. See the game out. Yeah, you're absolutely bang on the money there. Um, I didn't think we were particularly great at all. And dare I say, I think we seriously underestimated them. And I think the same thing happened last night because from what I could gather last night, it was shit from minute one to minute 90. Um, and it wasn't very good at all in the opening leg. I just want to point out, before they scored the first goal, going to be in the original tie, the same player was left free in the same place at the back post with a free header. Nodded, nodded across goal, got it wrong, went wide. Two minutes later, they get a corner. Same guy, same sort of thing. We're ball watching. When you watch it back, everybody's ball watching. Nobody's watching the man. Or come actually behind him. I think he come behind Dan Potts. And Potts has just stood there like a gazelle, you know, to then, uh, and completely misses it. And if Potts is watching his man, you know, he, he makes a better attempt to get the ball and, and clear it. And I think I'd back Potts then, in the air to do it. But even, even then, even the then, the header's not a cannon, is it? I mean, it travels no. a hell of a long way across our box and still manages no. to find its way in in the goal. I mean, I know he, and, I know Horvath was unsighted when the bloke headed the ball. But it weren't it weren't going particularly fast. At some point between its departure and its finishing point, he will have seen it going slow yeah. enough to pick the bloody thing up. Yeah, I mean, I, I sat in the priest for that game. I like to move around for cup games, and uh, I might as well have sat in the Kenny for the shit record I've got in the Kenny <laughs> for all the good it done. Um, and you you could tell, you know, it wasn't a great header. It had time to land, as you say, and Horvath really should have had time to react. He. he he, he must have been convinced it was going wide since he didn't move but I don't know for me I would have, I would have moved and made an attempt to save that surely and then but it, it, it sort of summed the whole thing up really I mean yes we came out second half Elijah gets a penalty converts it which is a novelty for him sometimes and then Clark Clark scores an absolute cracker and puts us ahead and we think right this this is it now get one more and we're, we're in bed and by the time I said bed it's two all and you know, we just never looked like winning it after that. And I think the sprinklers coming on at the start of the game is probably the biggest highlight. Yeah, to be fair. You know, to, be, to be cynical. <laughs> they should have just kept them on, actually. And um, yeah. it might have, well, been a, might have been a better thing all round. It, it was just disappointing over the two ties. You know, I, I sat in my front room last night thinking, you know, ought to ought to get through this. I'm, you know, I'm not arrogant to think that it was job done or anything. You know, you, you always see what happens. Um, but really, we should have seen it through, and we got battered. And it sh- it shouldn't happen, you know. Next time we get Grimsby in the cup, uh, just give them just give them the round because I can t- I can I can take seven one from twenty six years ago, <laughs> but I'm not having the equivalent of that happening again. It, it just shouldn't happen. Yeah, no, it was very much on a par with the trophy game up there when um, we beat Norwich three days earlier, and uh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't good enough and of course unfortunately we miss out on a trip to a Premier League ground and all of the riches that come with it but that is life um, let's get positive then James because the league form uh, is anything but anything to um, worry about we're, uh, we're we're going really really well this team and this squad that crying out for a central defender have got three clean sheets on the bounce and um Things are looking up, actually. Let's go through the league games as they happened. Funnily enough, the first one we're going to go through is a defeat. But a defeat that 
Well, I mean, from 2-0 up, you should not be losing any game of football. And yet again, the goalkeeper's got question marks to answer and obviously you won't need me to tell him that. But the first 15 minutes, bloody hell, we were good against West Brom. Yeah, it was um, quite a blitzkrieg at the start, wasn't it? And um, I don't know, uh, some brass neck that Carlton Morris has got for shooting from where he did. Uh, I don't know how he thought that was a good idea, but it turned out it was a bloody good one. Um, so, uh, Well, the goalie, Alex Palmer, who was obviously one of the five million goalkeepers we used on loan last season, obviously had the same feelings because he didn't make much of an attempt to save it. Yeah, I think I watched it back and I think he made a little half step in the other direction and he had one player that was slightly blocking his view, I think. So I, I'll give him that. But, um, you know, fair play. Fair play. If you see the space and you're confident enough to do it, then um, it was a fantastic strike. Uh, and, you know, when Elijah doubles doubles it three minutes later, um, you're thinking, here we go. But really... They probably had about five minutes more after that second goal went in of, of grace. And they were really good, don't get me wrong, they were playing some great stuff. And then West Brom just took the game by the scruff of the neck and it was all them uh, from that point onwards. So, um, you know, with them getting the goal just before half-time, was not, I, know, I guess it wasn't the stroke of half-time, it was sort of five minutes before, but it was such a poor goal to give away. I know you talked about Ethan, all of us already, but you've got to clear everything out there. And it was just such a wet sort of dangle your leg challenge at it. Um, that it, it, those sorts of things at the, in those moments can really um, have a detrimental effect for the rest of the tie. And obviously it, it did, um, and, you know, as soon as, as soon as they scored with, what was it? 25 minutes to go. You, you thought, this is going to be it. I mean, didn't have to wait long, did you? To, uh, for it to be a uh, uh, Townsend to stick the stick it in. Um, they were not that was goals, though, weren't they? It was James Bree's last like notable action, really. When he just didn't bother chasing uh, tracking Townsend, and um, and even Morris. the second one, the goalkeeper drops across right to the bloke's feet. I mean, mm. oh, they didn't clear it. I don't know. They had so many chances, but um, yeah, um, Carl Morris. I don't know how many times he has to score at Kenilworth Road and not get any points or or, or then throw points away because it's happened so often. Um, he had a right go at James Bree after that third goal anyway. Um, but uh, I think one thing you have to say there is that they were the best team that I've seen them play this season. They were fluent uh, and they were dominant in every sort of aspect. Uh, they had a lot of attacking opportunities and I think on those occasions with that game, although you could say at home you turn it up, you shouldn't be losing. And you're right, um, you know, apart, despite that uh, cliche of 2 nil being a dangerous scoreline, which has actually statistically proved to be a level of cod wallop, <laughs> um, you should be. Uh, but but listen, give give the Bayes some credit. Uh, some, credit uh, they were absolutely fantastic um, so they deserved it in the end yeah I think James is right there Tony uh, I actually thought West Brom were the best probably the best team I've seen at Kenilworth Road in the championship um, that's how good they were in stark contrast to the absolute shambles that they were at their place where mm. they, they could still be playing now and they wouldn't have scored they were they were incredibly good but you know the fact that 
you know, we were 2 0 up on a side that good. Um, it's probably a positive, even though we ended up losing the game. I mean, it, maybe it's a good thing that they didn't, you know, they didn't open us up at will. We we kind of gifted them three goals. It was just one of those games that you just hope at the end of the season, given that they're playoff rivals, that we don't kind of rue that turnaround. I know. I mean, James said about the the winner where the man was left un, unmarked on the back post. Um, that seems to be uh, a common thing that's happened, doesn't it? And, you know, again, I've already mentioned the Watford game um, at their place. That happened with their first goal. There was somebody totally unmarked on the back post, able to put the ball back across. So, so hopefully now that uh, James Bree has moved on and we've got a new right back, it won't happen so often now. Um but no, I, I agree. West West Brom are, are were easily the best side that have come to Kenilworth Road this this season. They didn't. They had no intention of sitting back behind the ball, which is a lot of what uh, the game plan of these these teams that come to Kenilworth Road. They came to play football. They they got blitzed in the first twenty minutes. Um, has already been said, but it just showed you what a good side they are. They, they, they didn't phase them, they didn't collapse, and they went about their business. And, and at the end of the day, you can't argue with the result. They, they deserved it. They did. They deserved. They were were a really good side. Granted, you know, um, some of our players could have done better for for their goals. I, I mean, that their mm. first goal. I mean, it, it's already been mentioned, but. Keeper coming out like that, he should have gone through their player. You know, um, he's got to at least get to it, hasn't he? Yeah, I, I, I just—that's where the question marks over his bottle. I mean, he—he's he, done it a couple of times where he, he hesitates when coming out, or he doesn't come out when he should come out. Um, you know, and it's causing mis- miscommunication between him and his and his defenders. They don't know whether he's going to come out. Um, I, I can see one game coming. I, I can see it coming now where he'll come out and the player's not, our defender's not expecting him to come out and they'll head it over him. You know, you can, you can see that's coming. And, and, and I, I, I look at every game and I, I just think, that, you know, when is he going to, you know, drop the clanger this time? Yeah, you know, I, I, mm. you know it, 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 I just don't think he's good enough, to be honest with you, Kev. No, I'm very much going in that direction as well, Tony, I have to admit. That's why I'm very, very interested what's going to happen with Jack Walton uh, yeah. when he's when he's fit from um, the supposed mm. injury that he's got. I mean, obviously, he couldn't have played last night uh, mm. anyway. But it'd be interesting to see who is in goal on Saturday. I suspect he still yeah. will be Horvath, but yeah. I think patience is, is going gonna to run out sometime soon. Uh, Dan, what did you make of that West Brom game? I mean, obviously, the boys have covered how good West Brom was and how poor the goals were and how yeah. good we played in that first sort of 15, 20 minutes, but not really much. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, can I just say, you've got to give credit to uh, to the manager for turning around that group of players. It was basically the same group of players that we played at their place. Yep. And he's got them playing as a team and they look a good unit and they're a good back, you know, for the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. They've made up a lot of ground as well. Mm. Um, they're only four points behind us they've got a game in hand over that lot um, yeah they're in really good form as well so they've got to be taken seriously definitely yep 
they do. Um, after that, then James, obviously, we had the cup win, which we needn't bother winning. Um, and then, well, another trip to Wigan, our 446th game against them in the last five weeks. Um, but this one was a much happier one. They're an absolutely terrible side. Let's get this right straight away. Wigan are absolutely awful. And if there is a worse team in the championship than them this season, I will be absolutely staggered. However, a 2-0 win away from home is never to be sniffed at, particularly when uh, both your strikers score. Well, I mean, that's the thing. that It's all well and good saying they're terrible and they are. And they've got some um, horrendous managerial selection policy at the policy at the moment. <laughs> well, they're on course for more managers than points, I reckon. Um, oh, exactly. Seen. I don't know how they think uh, giving Carlo Torre his first job in a championship relegation scrap is going to bode well, and it didn't. And then they've given Sean Maloney <laughs> down. his first job, isn't it? I don't, well, I mean, I don't know what's going on there. I don't really care, but um, yeah, I thought that they might have some a bit more solidity when they signed Corker, but then he gives... He gets his pocket picked by Harry Cornick, uh, Bristol City's greatest number nine. So um, uh, I sound a bit bitter there, and I don't really mean it. I really, I really like Harry Cornick. I just, uh, <laughs> just, just uh, you know, once they've left, I find it a bit funny how they've stitched him up. But, um, uh, here we go. Uh, but um, yeah, he's good, and uh, and then obviously Elijah, who's. Um, He's been banging for him, and I know we'll speak about him, but uh, it's good to see him thriving again. Yeah, uh, it, it absolutely is, uh, Dan. Um, it's sometimes not the easiest thing in the world to do, is it? You beat a side on the Tuesday night, and then you've got to play the same side on the Saturday, albeit slightly different personnel because cup type people and this, that, and the other, and everything else. But to go there to win, and then come back, and then go there again, you know. It, it, it isn't easy and we were in control of that situation right from the start. But I think I said, I think I referenced it in the last podcast that in both the cup replay and the league game, the importance of the first goal was going to be massive, particularly in the league game because they're world-class time wasters, Wigan. So that Harry Cornet goal after 10 minutes, that, that put that game plan out the window and it was a bit of a cruise from there on in. It certainly seemed it, looking at it, um, I watched it back and I followed just after the Saturday game and did seem to be that we weren't <clears throat> we weren't really troubled and I seem to remember the home game being like that and um, obviously we all know what happened in that they they made a substitution and that right with a weird name I can't Asgard was it pipes up at the end and nicks it for him in the last 10 minutes when we're 1-0 up and another goal would have seen as home and dry and I think that's where Edwards has sort of changed our dynamic a little bit more and he hasn't hasn't seemingly done too much to do that. He's just sort of made us a bit more positive and a bit more front-footed rather than being on the back foot, you know, and just trying to hold on to a lead. It was, it was uh, again, it was refreshing to see us score early. I don't think it's happened too many times this year. Um, and to hold on to that and get another one, it doesn't matter whether you're playing top or bottom. You know, if you do that away from home, it's, it's a good day out, isn't it? And uh, it stood as well. And have, like you said, having just gone there, three days earlier, uh, nicked it at the end um, to put virtually, well, there were a few changes from the FA Cup fixture, but that's that's why we have squads and I think he's used the squad really well over the two games and it, it, it stood as well, I think, you know, and the, the league form is important to keep up. You have 
I wouldn't say the structure's the wrong word for the cup, but that's what it is in, in essence in terms of your league games. Um, but you, the distractions there, and you need to use the squad and give people minutes, and we've come out of it really well, I think. And it's it, it was certainly refreshing from there. Um, and it put the West Brom defeat to a distant memory in a, in a, in a sense because well, the last game was then Wigan away and we won it. So you, you always want your last game you played to be a win. Yeah, Elijah likes Elijah obviously likes the top bins in that goal in front of the away end. Yeah, in uh, four days, so fair play to him for that. And actually, James, for all we've said about the squad um, and the potential second string, we won that league game with no Carlton Morris, no Alfie Doughty, no Alan Campbell, no Corley Woodrow, and no Reese Burke on the football pitch. So, you know, the squad ain't that bad if you're leaving them five out and still winning a championship game of football. <clears throat> Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's the other side of it, isn't it? I think you probably have to, you have to say that the, the cup has not been good this season and the, the form that they've shown in the league has not been matched in that. That's one other aspect of it. So it's not totally that the second string can't cope. It depends who, you, it depends who you're talking about personnel-wise, though. If you go back to the game of last night against Grimby, I still think that if you put in Watson and Thorpe in the midfield, you probably haven't A, played together, and are very young green, that's probably going to have an effect in, in itself. Whereas that wouldn't that wouldn't be a pairing you'd probably see in the league, I, I would suspect. Um, and and so there is still some rotations that we had in that midfield. Um, you know, since Pelly came back and uh, Henry Lansby's on the way back as well, so there'll be the second string of that midfield will still be quite useful. Uh, when, when everyone's back and back and firing, so yeah, it's just one of those things. And I think uh, you don't make too much of the cup. I don't think it's um, it clearly hasn't been a happy hunting ground, but all the focus now is obviously in the league, and and that has been. So there's there's, there's no reason why you can't get a reaction. Uh, a you can't get a reaction from. Uh, from the midweek game at Grimsby and, and B just just to carry on the, the good form. Yeah. Um, one thing that the Cup did do, Tony, is it shifted Cardiff at uh, home for three days onwards and then we got them on the Tuesday night instead. Uh, let's, let's be fair, it weren't the greatest game of football in the world, was it? It's never going to be the greatest game of football against Cardiff. If you watch Cardiff, you'll know why. Um and it looked like it was going to be a frustrating night, didn't it, when we got the penalty and missed it. But thankfully, uh, Downey put a peach of a cross on Elijah's head and the fourth man put it in the bottom corner, well, top corner as it was, actually. Yeah, it was It was a worthwhile end. I mean, having taken one of the, one of the worst penalties I've ever seen, it was an awful penalty, wasn't it? He never looked confident before he, he took it either, did he? Um, but he made up for it at the end, but it was uh, one of those games where I don't I don't think Horvath had that much to do, uh, which actually, on reflection, looking back at his form, probably <laughs> isn't a bad thing actually. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I think Cardiff would give Wigan a run for their money as for the worst team. Um, they were awful. They had nothing up front at all, and. Um, it, Looking back on the game, hindsight's wonderful, but it was—I I think it was only a matter of time before we scored. 
And it was nice to see them keep going and, you know, score at just the right time. So, uh, and to come through it relatively unscathed as well, because Cardiff are, are battling for points, aren't they? And uh, they they must have thought, well, they've missed a penalty. We're going to get something out of this game. And then just to get a kick in the bollocks three minutes from time is fantastic. And what's nice about this season is we, we've seen to put a, a, a few um, hoodoos to bed, really, haven't we? We're doing the doubles over Norwich and QPR and, uh, you know, Cardiff now as well. And, uh, you know, going on and beating Stoke as well at home is, is, is been good, which is made up for the defeat last night, I think. Yeah, you mentioned Cardiff's lack of quality. I have no idea where the 28 thought the goal was, but when he was clean for on goal and sent it to Dunstable. Oh, uh, well, to be honest with you, one of my work <laughs> colleagues, one of my work colleagues is a, is a Cardiff season ticket holder. And, um, he has my sympathy. And, uh, yeah, and I remember mm. chatting to him and, and uh, right at the start of the season, and he said they, they, they'd be lucky to stay up. Because he said he said he can't understand. They've got no forwards. They've got no strikers. He said, and we haven't bought any strikers. He said he said, where's the goals going to come from? And he's absolutely right. They 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 they've got no goal threat whatsoever. You know, no. and 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 you know, you just thank your lucky stars. I remember the, the the chance very well that you're talking about, Kev. You know, if that had fallen to a striker. It at least been on goal. Probably chances are it would have been a goal, but because because it wasn't a striker, you're right. It was like, hey, there's their kicker for the the Six Nations. <laughs> it absolutely <laughs> was. He cleared that. He cleared that stand beautifully. I've got yeah. absolutely no idea what he was doing, but I mean, fair play to the other actual highlight of that game. Dan was well, two highlights actually. Pelly's reaction uh, in amongst the celebration for the goal, which was just hilarious because they were obviously getting wound up by us, by the same person. And then yeah. Morris started World War Three at the end of the game just by chucking the ball at, someone, at the back of someone's head. I mean, it was just perfect. I thought all the shithousery had gone when Hilton left, but oh no, yeah. we've still got plenty of it. It does appear that the shithousery is well and truly alive still at Kenilworth Road, and I love it. It, it just adds something to a win, doesn't it? I mean... It might sound a bit unprofessional of me to say that, but I, I love it because it, like you say, just adds to it, doesn't it? And it happened right in front of me, the Morris thing, and I was waiting for it. I think the, the, their player said something to Morris throughout the game and Morris just went up to him, yeah, how'd you like that? And threw the ball at him and it, it started off a nice little right of people getting involved. I'm just sat there getting my popcorn out, you know. <laughs> I wasn't going anywhere. I, I, and this is why you don't leave games on the 85th minute. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, a, you this is what you go to football for. It's entertainment. <laughs> a, you'd miss the goal, and B, you miss the greatest set of handbags. You know, so, so, somebody said to me a couple of, you know, when uh, I think it's West Brom when uh, Morris got subbed and he went yeah. off and he had a little strop and threw his shirt down. Somebody yeah. thought, you know, a bit of unrest in the camp. And I thought, no, actually, I'd rather see that from a player. I'd rather see him react, throw his shirt down, have a strop, because that says to me, he cares. Yeah. And he wants to win. Exactly. Yeah, and that's, and that's what and that's, you want in your players. And, that, and that's why you got the reaction you did from Adebayo at the end of Cardiff. You know, that, that guy, that Perry NG, that's not even a proper surname, by the way. It's lazy. It's lazy <laughs> spelling. Um, you know, he'd it, been giving him shit, shit all, all game and got in his face when he missed the penalty, which, as Tony said, was an awful penalty. Um, but th- 
and he didn't let it. He didn't let it bother him. He just carried on, carried on, got his winner and then quite rightly said something to him afterwards. And too bloody right, I would as well. And I'd do it with bells on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, that, because you you know, football, for anybody who's ever played the game, you know, it, it is all about getting mind games with the opposition and getting under the teeth a little bit. My old man used to say to me, pick on the biggest, fattest, ugliest player he could, give him a little kick early on. They spend the whole game watching him rather than the game. And he said, sometimes it works. Sometimes I've got my head kicked in. You know? So it's it's all part of it. And long may it continue. Indeed. <laughs> <Too much. laughs> Indeed so. And then, James, we came to um, poor old Stoke, who had to go so uphill that they struggled uh, that they struggled <laughs> to contain um, the mighty uphill <laughs> masters of Luton Town. Uh, what an absolute load of bollocks that was, by the way. Um, another pretty boring game, in all, in, in all honesty, but you know, mm. again, Stoke are another side. You're going to struggle to look good against Stoke uh, for obvious reasons. Um, but we got our first golf pelly in God knows how long. and 18 months. Saw that game out pretty comfortably, bar for a possible chance that, that, that Campbell had when he went clear for on goal and found uh, Horvath in no man's land. But thankfully, he followed the Cardiff trick of clearing the Oak Road stand uh, when he was through on goal. And uh, after that, Fizzled out into a pretty simple new, uh, pretty simple one 0 win. Yeah, it did look that way. I did. I really quite enjoyed it actually. I, I, I thought it showed a lot of I control. I can't enjoy watching Stoke. It's just ingrained in my head. I've watched <laughs> it so many times that I can never. I just can't enjoy it. No, I, no, not then per se. And uh, and nobody took up uh, Dan's dad's golden rule of going to Phil Jagielka and stick him on him because he's put on a few pounds. He's he's <laughs> that lad. <laughs> but, um, It'd be the first yeah. one I'd go to, James. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I Sorry. just thought Luton were totally in control of that game. Um, and, uh, yeah, great strike from Pelly. There's something in me, because it's been so long since I've seen him score at Kenwell Road, that just thought that was going to trickle wide from my position. Um, but you said you, you, you were right behind it and saw it in all the way. Um, I think that stunned them a little bit and for me I was thinking oh no could this be shades of West Brom where you score too early but I think they learned their lessons from uh, that game in a respect not that's not to say that Stoke are in anywhere near the class of West Brom um, but they just they just lost that game with very control uh, you know even if he didn't score that goal Pelly had one of his best games certainly of the season Um you know, maybe even in the championship, who knows? Um, uh, it, was, it was very commanding. Little twinkle toes, Jordan Clark, dancing class, uh, player after player. That was a sight to see. He's getting better and better every every game. And even, um, you know, Morris, who didn't score and didn't have a chance, the stuff that he does do when he doesn't get those sniffs is very, very effective in holding the ball up and and bringing play in. Um, you know, McCambra had a decent... Uh, debut and a good lung-busting run from deep, which shows a lot of promise. Cody Drummer again, uh, Jamie, sorry. Um, he had he had the um, he had his opposite number. Uh, he had his blood twisting. He was running past him that that often, and that's what you like to see. So, a lot of confidence there for him. So, um, you know, it could have been a comfier scoreline. Um, but really, when you looked at it, I thought they were good value for the three points. Yeah, I thought they were good value for the three points as well. I thought we uh, 
like you say, we've controlled that game from start to finish. I beg to differ that Stoke aren't in West Brom's class, though. They very much are, but unfortunately for Stoke, it's West Brom under Steve Bruce's class rather than West Brom. The West Brom that come to us uh, is class M. <laughs> Tony, what did you make of the old comments? The poor old Stoke having to run up here, eh? I mean, we must have turned the pitch around 180 well, degrees at half time. I, we I, didn't have to run up it. I, I just wonder what planet Neil was on because. Um, they, they, oh, they were so hard done by, um, you know, all that, all the shouting from the uh, home supporters, getting every decision influencing referee. I mean, I thought we played some fantastic football in patches in that game, and our performance warranted uh, something like three, three nil. I thought, but my one abiding memory from that game is, you know, you. Um, just when you think you've seen the worst official that the FA can give to you, along comes another one, <laughs> just to take that bar down, just a little bit lower. You know, and you, you, you're just looking at how the hell he didn't give Clicker a penalty. I, I cast iron penalty. I just, you know, what planet was the guy on? And And... I don't think he was as bad as the fella before against Cardiff. Jeff oh, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. He did man. play advantage just, for um, Pelly's goal, and he was so happy. Well, yeah, he there, probably there, would have blown that up for a foul on Eli. There, there was that, but foul on Elijah. Some of his decisions were just absolutely awful. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure some of these referees. It's an old thing. You all think, you know, they they think supporters come along to watch them. You know, and 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 it, uh, they've got to do something about the standard of officials. Honestly, I mean, it sounds like you know we're we're banging the same old drum all the time. And I know, you know, that they are going to make decisions that you don't agree with, um, that they see differently. But for God's sake, you know, you're looking at he's given us a free kick, and you think surely that should have gone to Stoke. Or the other way round, or he's seeing fouls when there isn't a foul, or, or, or you know, I, I just, I, I don't know, I just. It's catch twenty two though, Tony, yeah, because yeah. They're, they're that terrible that we have to talk about, and then it gets publicised that they're that bad, and nobody wants to be a referee because we talk about them because they're that bad, and it all goes round, and the sorry surface carries on. So. I know, I know, I know, mate. It's just in fairness, he didn't give Stoke a penalty. Well, that's and... true. And it, it, it was, it wasn't, but you could see why it would have been given in real time. He didn't give him that. And to be fair, he didn't send Drame off. And there's one or two referees mm. that right in front of a Stoke dugout would have sent him off, particularly when the fellow ends up disappearing on a stretcher as well. That's usually. I yeah. mean, what I, 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 I didn't think from where I was sitting, right, the other side of the pitch, it didn't look that bad to me. It looked to no. me that Drama went on it, but the player turned and he twisted. And, and, yeah, you knew straight away he'd done something. Yeah, depends where his foot was, isn't it? If he if he stands yeah. up and he's over the ball, then yeah, definitely. But I'm, I'm, I'm sure it was. I've certainly seen. Uh, for me, it was in the same category as Henry Lansbury on that poor Blackburn bloke last season, uh, and he also mm-hmm. got a yellow. He also got a yellow for it as well, which could mm-hmm. he, it could have been red, but thankfully it wasn't red. And uh, yeah, we saw that game out pretty easily. Uh, you know, Stoke another poor side, but we don't really care much for that. Um, 
let's move on to our play focuses for this month then. Um, James, uh, at the start of the season, we had a supposedly disinterested, uh, disillusioned and everything else, Elijah Adebayo. We haven't got that now. We didn't have it in the first place, let's be honest, but we certainly haven't got it now. Five goals in his last six games, five goals in successive games in that period. Um, we're seeing the Elijah Adebayo that came from Warsaw, aren't we? Absolutely, but I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, and I think previous comments and previous podcasts may uh, well back me up there. That I didn't think he was playing terribly badly in the first place. He just wasn't really getting the the bounce of the ball where he needed it. Um, he was he was putting himself about and implying himself, but I think he's now doing that and and adding goals, and obviously that in the eyes of people is exactly what he's paid for. But um, he's he's being a nuisance again. Um, he's, he's fired up again, he's getting in the right places, um, you know, and if he's not um, scoring, he's not finding the net, he's doing other bits useful to bring players in, which is, um, yeah, it's what we liked about him when he first came to the club. And, you know, maybe there was a case to say he was still getting over the, the injury that he had um, last season. That, that could have been something at the beginning and obviously, with Morris coming and and, uh, and hit the ground running so effectively, and maybe it's a bit of I don't know if this is an actual affliction, but second fiddleitis or something, where he's just probably wasn't the main man anymore. But I think there's a case to say that they're they're both they've got their own strengths, but they're both playing on uh, level par now. I think uh, as as as, uh, as a pair and. Uh, I think was it was it Morris that said earlier in the season that when the two of them play and they fire, I don't think anyone would want to play them. And I think that's what yeah. we've got. That's, I think that's what we've got now. Um, they're, they're, they're pretty effective. Uh, like I say, uh, in the, the Stoke game where Morris didn't particularly um, have too many chances to to show his goal scoring prowess, he did all the other stuff. The, the hold-up play and the dirty work really well, and that allowed, obviously, gave a platform for for Elijah to to do his thing and get in there. But the fa- I think the fact that he scored that goal after missing the penalty, um, I mean, anybody could have scored that goal because it was point in blank range. But it was the will and the desire and the passion to get in that position, which is the extra couple of percentage that probably wasn't happening at the beginning of the season. So, yeah, it's. Um, Really good to have him back. Dan, I mean, the thing about Elijah is we've probably actually got a better version of Elijah. We've got, we've definitely got a stronger version than when he first came. And he's adding, he's adding headers to his game. The header against West Brom, lovely mm. header, uh, oh. brilliant header in, into the top corner. Obviously a brilliant ball in from Bree as well. Mm. Uh, and then like James said, got in the right place at the right time for the Alfred cross against Cardiff to convert that one as well. Um, most of his goals have come Fire his feet, but a couple of headed goals as well. And if 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 he's adding that to his repertoire, he's some striker. Yeah, he is, and I think he's he's always been a work in progress. He certainly wasn't. He, he didn't come here as the finished article. Um, <clears throat> with the greatest respect, he came from League Two Warsaw. He, he was doing pretty well there by all accounts. Um, but he certainly wasn't the finished article. And it, I remember he did take a little bit of time to settle a couple of games or so. Um, but he's slowly become. A key, a key player and I think somebody said earlier about him perhaps not being the main man because we've got Morris in here now and Woodrow coming in as well 
And I think with Jerome's experience, okay, now he's gone, but I think that's actually helped him and helped him to develop more. And he's he's 25, it's still time to develop him a bit more. And it's good to see him, like you say, adding, adding head is in there. Um, you know, he can score left foot, right foot. He's still a bit of work to do on his penalties, but I'm sure that'll come. Um, but yeah, he's, he's um, even when he's not scoring goals, he's still creating them. He's still forming a part of the team that creates the goals. And he's and for me, he's been a key part of the reason why we're fourth in the championship right now. And yeah, long may that continue as well. And I was a little bit concerned about losing him in January window. Um, Purely because he's he's still got a long way, you know, he's still got a way to go, but he's still he, he's not far off being the finished article to make a really good, really really good championship striker. He's up there with one of the best for my money. Um, yeah, and the goals will keep coming. The goals will keep coming. You know, he, he's shown in the last few weeks the, his desire to get around the pitch, getting behind defenders, and you know, getting into the right positions at the right time. And it, one day it will just come for him, and he'll, he won't stop scoring. He's, he's yeah. good enough to do that. He's certainly going to get the supply between now and the end of the season. Yeah, very much a key yeah. part of why we're fourth this season. Very much a key part of why we made the playoffs last season, Tony. And we are still, I think he scored something like 28 goals for Luton. So he's approaching 30 goals. And we still only lost one game of football when he scored. So it kind of shows you the impact of um, of his goals, really. And that was against West Brom just recently when we were mm. t- when we were 2-0 up. And wouldn't have lost that, but for some soft goals that we gave away. So we uh, were vital for everything that we do. I think, yeah, I I, I, I agree. I, I, I think um, Elijah's very much a confidence player. Um, mm. I'm a striker who isn't, yeah, though, really. Yeah, yeah. He, he seems to be that type of player that, you know, he needs an arm around him and needs geared up and, and, and needs uh, the time to get himself going. I think, um, you know, Dan's already alluded to Carton Morris coming in and you know, I, I, I sometimes questioned and I looked at, well, is, is Adibayo and Morris together as a partnership? It doesn't really look like it, it, it's working at first, but I think that's come true now. And, and, and I think, uh, you know, Morris certainly has no issues with confidence and, and hopefully some of that is starting to rub off on, on Elijah. The only thing that concerns me when the two of them play together is they, they always seem to be too far apart. They're not close together, um, you know, and, and one of, they, they, they can drift out onto either wing and you've got nobody coming through in the middle. But he, he yeah, I think he, he's improved. You can see that he, he is a better player than uh, when he first joined us. Um, and he, 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 for a big man, he's got uh, good, good feet. The only thing I think, I think for his size and everything, his physicality, he's perhaps not strong enough. He needs to be, you know, beef up a little bit and, and not be shaken off the ball so easily as he has been in, in, in a couple of games that I've noticed before. But again, I, I, I agree with Danny. He, he's not the finished article. He's still young, but he's getting there. He's getting there. And, and he is a goal threat for us. So, um you know, I'd, I'd rather have him in the side than not out, than, than not, I should say. Yeah, definitely. He's very much a key part of what we do. It'd be nice if he got some protection from referees because some of the yeah. treatment that yeah. he gets is absolutely disgusting um, from opposition players, but he cracks on and keeps going and everything else. Um, second one, uh, then, James. Um, 
talking about players who are much better than when they arrived. You either love Pelly or for some god unknown reason you hate Pelly and why you hate Pelly, I've absolutely no idea. But there are people out there who seemingly do. But this guy, I mean, we've had this conversation a few times on this podcast in previous seasons about whether he's a Luton legend, whether he isn't a Luton legend, this, that and the other. He made his 350th appearance against Grimsby in the first of those cup games. So he's now on 353 appearances. He's now on his fifth manager who was starting him from the start, who all love him. They all say great things about him. Rob Edwards being the latest one to do that. I mean, this guy needs some respect put on his name, doesn't he? He is absolutely a Luton Town legend. Without question. I don't even know why there's any debate about it. Um, he's the only player to have uh, played in as many divisions as he has for uh, for Luton, scored in every single one of them, 350 games. You know, And this is for a player that was really injury-prone when he first joined the club. He's now a machine, just plays for fun and uh, runs all day. Uh, and like I say, against um, Stoke, even regardless of the goals, one of his best performances, most dominant performances, I thought. Uh, so I, I, I've, I've no idea why anyone still doubts it. I, I, well, let me take that back. I think maybe people are overly harsh when he's not particularly on song, and that can happen. Um, and particularly if he's been out and he comes back, he, he, he does have a tendency to be a bit rusty and maybe his first touch ain't great and his, sometimes his pass he goes straight. So that may be where people get the ump with him. But that's not his game, really. <laughs> His game is, mm. um, you know, breaking up play and um, bursting forward and being that energy. And, and, and you saw it when, you know, he's not in the team against Grimsby. And they, they suffer. They play much better, well, relatively speaking. Yeah, um, no, much better. In, in the second half when he's in there. And he's just so underrated. Um, you know, people point to him not scoring as many goals. And you're right, that was his first in 18 months and his first in... That came off the road for approaching two years, I think. Um, but everything else that he does, uh, in terms of the energy that he gives that team, um, you know, there are there, there are catalysts all over this team, and he's one of them. Val Newton can be so intense when they're really at it. He's one of the players that that are involved in that. So. Yeah, it's absolutely no question in my mind. I think, uh, it, and it wasn't an, a recent decision that that Pelly Rodabanzo is a legend and should be treated as such. Enjoy him while he's here. Hopefully, he'll get to play in the Premier League with Luton as well. And hopefully, he'll get to make four hundred appearances, appearances, and get to his ten-year anniversary next um, January and um, get a testimony on everything that comes with that because uh, that is the least he deserves there. James is right with everything that he says about Pelly Tony. One of the reasons that um, his passing isn't necessarily great is he's so brave with his passing. He doesn't look for the easy pass like centre-backs all pass to each other. He's trying to move the game forward with a lot of his passes. And yes, yeah, sometimes they're going to go astray because he, he he goes for the difficult pass over the easy pass in a, in a, in a bid to get the game moving. Yeah, definitely. Uh... You know, touching on what James has said as well, because uh, when he's on song, Pelly, he, he sets the bar so high for himself. But when he is not on song, it, it's a noticeable difference. And I, I think as a player, he's got good vision. He, 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 he sees what's going on and he, and he tries to make attacking 
well, bold attacking passes that will benefit us. And when they come off, you can see it, 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 it's great. And he, he has made quite a few goals for us. Uh, as you say, when it doesn't happen, it, it, we lose the ball. But you see, he fights to get it back. You cannot doubt the guy's uh, spirit, his determination. And, and he's, he's quite a character as well. He's been a big part of our journey, you know, from non-league up to championship. And he, it's taken him a little while to get to grips with each level he's gone up, but he's adjusted to it and he's excelled at that. And he's doing it at championship level now. So fair play to the guy. I mean, you, you said, Kev, 10 years next January and, and uh, he'll be due a testimonial. And that's unheard of these days. When was the last player you knew that got a testimonial? Mark. You know, yeah, I, I, I honestly can't remember. Mm. I think I think the last one I can actually remember was the likes of Ricky Hill, Mal Donaghy and Brian Steen for us. You know, I, I, I can't think of anybody else. So, um, you know, I, I, he deserves it. And I hope he goes on to make a lot more than 400 appearances for us. Because, I mean, if we were to go up to the Premier League, I, I definitely think he, he's capable of making the step up. You know, he, 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 he does a lot to make our side tick when we're on song. He's fast becoming Mr. Dependable in that midfield. And our midfield looks so much stronger for having him there. You know, you look at it, his vision's great, he's covering, you know, and not only that, he scores bangers as well. Which is great. But he scored it. I mean, I, I can remember some fantastic Pelly goals. And the one that uh, sticks out in my mind a few years ago at Dartford. Yeah, I remember that. Actually, cracking that, another one against Hereford. Absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant goal. And, and uh, up at Accrington as well. All bangers. And yeah, okay, it, it was a daisy cutter on Saturday, but yeah, we'll call it a banger. They all count. Yeah, no, indeed. Um, you know, it, it, uh, as I said at the start, I really don't understand uh, how you can hate Billy Rudder Pants. No, not I, least... don't, I don't understand that at all. No, I don't the character he is. Yeah, as not well. least because five professional managers, five of them, Make him mm, an, yeah. an immediate starter. They're not all wrong. They can't all be wrong. No. You know, okay, one or two of them might have uh, had a screw loose, but not not all five. It's you know that's and also Dan. I mean, with Pelly, we're a side who get where we are sixth last season, fourth this season, largely on team spirit. Yeah. Who's the driver of the team spirit bus? It's Pelly Rudder and Panzu. Mm. And if if anyone gets the chance to go and watch an open day training. Or, you know, go to Kenilworth Road and see that open day when they hold it during the school holidays. Go down there and watch him. Yeah. Because it, you'll find exactly why he's such a popular member of our squad. Because, you know, he, he he's just the most enthusiastic, most positive person. I mean, can you imagine? Uh, we're all gonna, they're all going to go into training. They had a day off today after the Grimpy game. They're all going to go into training tomorrow. The ones that played who knew that they weren't good enough, they're going to be pissed off. They're going to be down in dumps. Who's going to get them rise, risen again? Who's going to make them feel good about themselves? going to be Pelly, and these exactly. things that can't be underestimated it's all part of being in a team yeah exactly and Pelly's a very very much a big cog in the wheel and has been for nine years nine and a bit years now and you know I liked him when he first came in you know he's energetic he got up and down the pitch covered every blade of grass and as the years have come gone on they've sort of beefed him up got him fit 
you know, even played every minute of the League One title campaign and that was no mean feat. That in itself. Um, yes, he struggled with injuries, but, you know, I'm looking at his record here this season. We've we've improved no end since he's come back into the side. And to me, that is no coincidence whatsoever. I think he's a very key part of the team. I think people do have a go at him because he doesn't score enough. Or they, I think people actively look to pick him out because he's been there so long or, or whatever. Um, but I, I've actually, I've, I've, I've watched him closely. I've spent a couple of games watching him, just him, uh, doing what he does. And I see people picking up on giving the ball away. Now, if, if the examples I can pick out have all been times where the pass has been massively undersold. You know, and he, Pelly's having to adjust. He's expecting the ball to feet and he's having to drop a couple of yards or run on a couple the yards because the guy passing it to him fucking sold him up the river um, and people are picking on that people are picking on him because he gives the ball away when there's someone else coming in you know and players all make mistakes if he was going to be this, this machine that everybody expects him to be you know it'd be a Stephen Gerrard Lampard and Paul Scholes all lumped into one and you know <laughs> find me one because <laughs> they're in um, but he's, he's as good as we've got. You know, he's played over 350 games for us and that that's a massive achievement in itself. And he's arguably, I'm not having a dig at Harry Cornick here, but he's nearly scored as many goals as Harry Cornick did in six years and he's not a striker. So he can't be that <laughs> shit, can he? No, he can't. And another reason why <laughs> he sometimes gives the ball away is because he's a marked man from the opposition. And Exactly. Uh, I, I think they fear him as well. Um, you know, they, they know that Pelly's a massive part of how Luton play and what we do. Um, and if I was opposition manager, I'd, I'd say, yeah, get someone on him. Don't don't let him, don't let Pelly have the ball. Stop him playing because he done have to put some key passes in. He done it in Stoke game on Saturday at Cardiff week, uh, Tuesday before, and he's been doing it for nine years. He's he's, he's brilliant, and he's Love getting him. better. And yeah. he's you know the debate. There isn't a debate, as James said right at the start of this little segment. Yeah. There isn't a debate. He is a Luton legend. He is. Fantastic. We absolutely love Pelly on this podcast and, uh, well, we hope we see an awful lot more of Pelly being Pelly and doing the fantastic things that he does that's got us into the position that we have from where he came from when we were uh, chasing the conference title to now where we're chasing a place in the Premier League. Absolutely fantastic. And if they do do films on any footballers' careers, his has definitely got to be up there because it's a magical story. One that hopefully it does end, like Jane said, in the Premier League with Luton Town. Uh, that's it for the first part of the podcast. Uh, coming up in the second part, we will look back at that 1982-83 season. We'll have another discussion about the academy, where a lot has changed since we uh, did a piece on it last month. We'll look ahead to the rest of the season in terms of expectations, and we'll cover the upcoming matches for the next month or so. But for this first part of the podcast, thanks for listening. Uh, if you liked it, if you enjoyed it, make sure you like and subscribe, because there will be other podcasts coming along in the future as well um but yeah until then uh well make sure you listen to part two 